Welcome to The Honest Report. A weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. The Islamic State group posted a video calling on Palestinians to attack Israeli soldiers and civilians. At least five killed in B'nai Brak after the assailant went on a shooting spree firing from a motorcycle. Here's your host, Rob Walker. One of the most widespread anti-Israel claims made today is that the Jewish state is nothing more than a Western colonialist implant forced onto the Palestinians. This allegation is partially based on the misunderstanding that the majority of Israeli Jews today are of white European descent. And while many Israelis do in fact have ancestry in Europe, Israel is in reality much more diverse, and the majority of Israelis now are of Middle Eastern descent. Showcasing the ethnic diversity of Israelis, therefore, can be an important step in helping to dispel this falsehood. Our guest this week takes that mission very seriously. Amy Albertson is a Chinese Jewish advocate and educator who, through online activism, public speaking, and workshops, both empowers young Jews to reclaim their identity and helps to dispel anti-Israel misinformation around the world. Welcome to the Honest Report podcast. Amy, welcome to the Honest Report podcast. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to chat. Uh, you, of course, active on social media. Uh, you are an advocate. You call yourself a Jewish advocate and educator. Uh, you speak quite a bit about uh, sort of your your identity as a Jew and as someone of Chinese, uh, you know, uh, partial Chinese uh, ethnicity and descent as well. Tell us a little bit about why you think certainly we have intersectionality, you have identity politics, which is so prominent today. And of course, uh, Israel and Jews are often portrayed as being, as um, you, I don't need to tell you, as being sort of white, exclusively European, etc. Why is it so important that you're telling your story to help sort of create a much more fulsome picture of, uh, of Israel and Jewish identity? I think it's important because, I mean, first of all, there are Jews who look like me. This is where a diasporic people. So when people want to tie us to sort of, like you said, the identity politics, I think it's a very, it's a much more American or Western view of Jews as these white European colonizers. But that's all part of the expression of anti-Zionism, right, of being of a reason why Israel shouldn't exist. So I think it's important for people to understand who are the Jewish people actually. You know, first of all, that we are indigenous to the Middle East. That's where we came from originally. And that throughout thousands and thousands of years of being scattered across the earth, that we're extremely diverse, whether that is, you know, Sephardi, Mizrahi, Beta Israel, and these kinds of things, and also that we've mixed with other people. Um, and that's kind of where I come in. I'm the product of, of that mixture. And so how impactful or how dangerous is it, uh, do you think, you know, when Israel is portrayed as, you know, sort of this, this white um, colonialist kind of uh, uh, enterprise? I mean, do you think that if people had a, a much bigger, more, contextualized understanding that not all Jews and not all Israelis look uh, a, a certain way that people eventually are going to say, wow, if I was wrong about that, how much else am I wrong about sort of the facts surrounding Israel? I would like to hope that if someone finds out that they're wrong about that, that they're going to explore 
further. I mean, the main danger with this whole trope of Israel as white colonizing, you know, a white colonial power is it's dangerous first and foremost because it's false. And also this is just the modern day kind of expression of anti-Semitism as Israel as all the evil things in the world. So, you know, we now have recognizing that white supremacy and colonization in the way that it's been happening throughout history is a negative thing. So that's why they want to characterize Israel in this way, when actually Zionism is one of probably one of the few, maybe only successful land back movements, which is actually very progressive. So in talking about sort of this, this progressive way of, of looking at the world and of understanding that different groups can have sort of shared experience. You've written in the past about, in the last couple of years, of course, uh, when really COVID began in the spring of 2020, uh, there was a lot of, as you know, a lot of ugly racism uh, that uh, began really in the Western world against uh, uh, you know, individuals, uh, Chinese individuals and Asian individuals. Do you think that experiences like that can help spur on a closer relationship of shared experiences between, say, Jewish communities and Chinese communities, or, you know, when you have this uh, this shared experience of suffering, does it kind of just become this almost a victim Olympics, to use a term like that? In other words, should the Jewish community use shared suffering as an opportunity for closer relationships, or should it seek out other opportunities to uh, to carve out those closer ties? I think definitely whether it's the Asian community, the black community, the Latino community, the LGBTQ community, any oppressed community or minority community that's dealing with racism or um, prejudice or anything like this, we should always use this as an opportunity to unite. At the end of the day, all of these things, all of this, you know, anti-Semitism, and Asian anti-Asian racism and all these things are based in hate for the other. Um, obviously, they can culminate in different ways and have different histories. But at the end of the day, it's about people hating the other for some reason or another. And I think that we should definitely utilize that to our advantage. You know, if all of, I always say to people, if all of the minorities of the world united we would be the majority, right? So I think it's really important to remember it's not a contest. And at the end of the day, it's all rooted in hate. We should all, like that's at the end of the day what we're all combating. So why is it then, I mean, to sort of pivot a little bit, talking about, uh, you know, the ability to, for, for people to come together and put differences aside, the ability and the successes of the anti-Israel movement um, in creating uh you know, close relationships, like I said, whether ideological relationships uh, with, with uh, say, the uh, LGBTQ uh, groups uh, on campus or uh, Latin groups or, or Black student groups or in general, a lot of uh, politically progressive groups uh, is quite perplexing, of course, to a lot of people who look at Israel and say, well, Israel really is the paragon of a progressive society compared certainly to, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Gaza Strip and the Palestinian Authority. So why is it then that you think that the the Jewish communities in, in the West or the sort of the side supportive of Israel have struggled, or maybe we're wrong, maybe we haven't struggled, but it seems like that 
that side has struggled in relation to the anti-Israel cause in terms of actually building relationships. Why has that been the case? I think it's a few things. One is we're dealing with, we're combating anti-Semitism here and anti-Semitism has existed for a long time. So it's already kind of pre-programmed or pre-ingrained in people's minds to demonize or hate the Jewish people, right? And so if Israel is the symbol of the Jewish people, it's already kind of like, it's one step away. It's not something new. Um, I think another thing is the misinformation. So where the Palestinian cause has been very good at tying it to, we are also people of color who are being oppressed. Israel is strong and we are lucky that Israel is strong, but in the eyes of these progressive movements who don't know what Zionism actually is or what, you know, Israel actually is this, you know, land back for an indigenous peoples, they see it as something right wing or, you know, white, like they say, it's like white colonialists, white colonial power. And I think that's where it's kind of a challenge for us because the Palestinians are this underdog. And also when it comes to today's modern, like you said, identity politics, it's very based in optics. So in America or in the West, um, I guess, France isn't like this, but in, you know, in the United States and in the UK, where visually the majority of Jewish people are often white presenting Ashkenazim, people think of this as the picture of the Jew, and they don't realize that that's not everyone. And also just because they may have light colored skin in these places doesn't mean that their history, you know, of where they came from matches up to that colonialist history. So you raise an interesting point, which is on one hand, the Jewish people are indigenous to the land of Israel. At the same time, they are, you know, to use the term that, that you mentioned, sort of white passing. Uh, Israel is, by most standards, a successful, stable country today. Um, and so for a lot of young progressive students and young people especially, um, you know, victimhood often can appear as righteousness. And so in your experience, Amy, as, a, as an influencer, as a millennial, as, uh, as somebody, you know, carrying a lot of different identities and, and speaking to a lot of uh, younger peers, which message is more powerful? Is it on one hand that the Jews are indigenous to the land of Israel, and that's a powerful message, um, but at the same time, is that completely outdone by the fact that Israel is a victim of its own success? In other words, can, does Israel have any hope in actually sharing the message of its own indigeneity when it doesn't look or sound like most indigenous groups? In other words, does it actually have a chance in communicating that? It's kind of a ridiculous argument. Like, do we have a chance all in, I think that maybe it's an American issue of seeing indigenous people in one way, but like all peoples are different. So I think it's just a lot of lack of information because Jews are not the only indigenous group. They're not the only non-Arab indigenous group to the Middle East where there's been large amounts of Arabization. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's kind of absurd for people to, to say, well, you don't look like indigenous people, so we're not gonna believe you. Um, I think that a lot of it has to do with education of who the Jewish people actually are. And the average non-Jewish person doesn't know a Jewish person um, or they don't know that they've met a Jewish person. They don't know anything 
real about Jewish people and they probably have heard something anti-Semitic. So I think it's a lot about this kind of gap in education. You know, maybe we're lucky they learned about the Holocaust, but that's again, basing their definition of a Jewish person in some sort of oppression that happened in Europe. Um, and I think that this is a disservice to to people that they don't even know who the Jewish people actually are. So when you sort of talk about Israel's indigeneity, of course, most people, I think, don't quite understand. They understand maybe the idea of what indigeneity means. What is sort of the briefest way to that you've been able to argue, that you've been able to sort of encapsulate what it means to be indigenous to the land of Israel? Well, we always have to look back at the definition of what indigenous means. And, you know, the Jews are an ethno-religion that have all the characteristics of these indigenous people. We have our our religion and our culture and our traditions are tied to the land, right? So we pray facing Zion, facing Jerusalem. Um, many of our holidays are based around plants or, you know, organisms or species that are from our land, these kinds of things where you can see that our culture is inextricably tied to this land. It's kind of the proof of, you know, our indigenous culture, not to mention all the archaeological evidence that we've been there for thousands and thousands of years. Now, where does that, uh, how does that square with what a lot of people may say today, which is indigeneity is all very nice and good, but let's look at the reality on the ground today. In other words, you have two peoples sharing one land, etc. In your experience, how impactful or how necessary is the argument about indigeneity um, in, in trying to sort of frame what's happening today? In other words, do people say, yes, Israel's and the Jewish people's identity as an ancestral people is relevant today? Or, you know what, Amy, that doesn't really matter because Israel is doing ABC today and that's wrong. I think this is a binary that's created that's incorrect. It shouldn't be one or the other, right? It's not that we can have Israel or we can't have Israel because of the fact that the Palestinian people exist today. So yes, I would say it's very important. And I generally, although some people may say the two-state solution is dead, I don't know if it's a two-state solution or some sort of other coexistence model, but we have to accept that there are these people, the Palestinians, and they also need somewhere to live. And we can cry about how the rest of the Arab world is not going to take them in. Um, but at the end of the day, they are there. So I think it's not one or the other. The Jews can have our homeland in Israel where we're indigenous to, and we can find a way, we need to find a way. I don't think it's sustainable for you know all of eternity that we need to find a way to be able to coexist with Palestinians. You know, Zionism and its basic definition is just Jewish sovereignty in our indigenous homeland. How that culminates, how that actually plays out is up to us. So I would say the way it's going now, there are certainly problems, there are certainly issues, but that's part of, you know, the whole idea is that we work on it. Well, well uh, listen, it was a pleasure, Amy. And uh, how can people follow your, uh, you know, your comments on social media? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And my handle is at the Amy Albertson. That's the Amy, A-M-Y, Albertson, A-L-B-E-R-T-S-O-N.
Wonderful pleasure. Thanks again, Amy. Thank you so much. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our mailing list, our podcast channel, and follow us on social media for the most up-to-date news. If you like what you've heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts at www.honestreporting.ca slash donate. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.